0: We thank you for visiting Christian Bible Temple and pray the following message speaks to your heart. Precious God and Heavenly Father, we come before your presence this morning. Lord, we are awed and at your love. It is so great that we cannot fathom it. Lord, this day we are so grateful And though we do not understand the immensity of your love, yet, Lord, we are thankful for your love. We believe in your love because you are love and because you tell us that you love us. And we're grateful this morning for your love because though men reject us and the world reject us, we know that you will never do that because you love your children. And we thank you this morning that you so loved the world, that you gave your only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We praise you for this day and thank you, and ask that you bless us now as we begin and look into your word. Help us to understand what you tell us today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Morning. Uh, we started on time. I hope we don't get another flood, but we started on time. So please be uh, notified that our services will start on time, on time from now on. Even if I have to get to the pulpit and start preaching before the music starts, but we're going to start on time and finish on time. This way, we have time to say all the things we need to say in the service, and this time we. Can uh, and this way we do not rob the Lord okay, of the time that He gives us, uh, which we need to redeem and make the most of it. Open your Bibles this morning to the book of Genesis and go to chapter 4 again and verse 13, 1-3, verse 13 of chapter 4 of the book of Genesis. We began two weeks ago with the fourth chapter, and we saw the first two sons of, of the offspring of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. And we know very much the story that Cain slew Abel. Abel. He represents the evil, carnal, natural man, Cain, that is. And Abel represents the spiritual man. And uh, after all that, uh the lord judged cain for his crime of fratricide killing his brother and he condemned him to wander the earth and he said he would never find rest anywhere he would not be able to stay long enough long enough in one place to uh, to be able to fa- have roots okay in that place So now, in verse 13, it says, And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Now, taking into account the fact that he slew his brother, I find it very Ironic that he now is afraid that somebody's going to kill him. Do you know why that happens? We, when we suspect that somebody else is going to do something, it's because we have done it. Okay? The rest of Genesis 4 here gives us a picture of life in the antediluvian world. In other words, the world before the flood. This is the antediluvian civilization. It is just about the only information we have about that first human civilization, which was later destroyed by the Great Flood, erasing it completely and leaving nothing to tell us about it. So the first civilization was not the Sumerian or the Hittite or the Babylonian. Uh, Babylon came, didn't come until Genesis chapter 11. Okay, so... Uh, We have here a civilization a lot older than that, but we don't know much about it because everything was destroyed in the flood. And this is the only inspired document the world has. Everything else, okay, is based on legends, myths, and suppositions. The brief uh, biblical record is still the only fully reliable account we have of that first age. Now, we see the Lord's mercy even on a person so wicked as Cain. We see his mercy protecting him so that no one would kill him. Cain's punishment seems to have extracted from him a measure of sorrow though not repentance. There's a difference between sorrow and And repentance sorrow is produced by remorse and people confuse many times remorse with repentance it is not the same thing remorse is you just feel bad about something you did that was wrong like judas felt remorse but judas never felt repent never had repentance okay repentance is a 180 degree turn okay going in the opposite direction were going before. So here we see that the punishment that God threw and uh, placed on Cain produced some measure of sorrow because at first, we all remember, he was so cocky when the Lord asked him, where is your brother? He says, where am I, my brother's keep- keeper? Would you talk to God like that? He was absolutely, he was an absolute brat, totally disrespectful to God, a total rebel. Okay, and uh, now we see that he complains and says, "My, the punishment is too severe, All right? Sometimes we don't feel the wrong we do until we feel it in our own flesh. So when the Lord chastises, chastises somebody, it's in his mercy that he does it, okay? And uh, his response now is not so insolent. And he no longer questions the Lord like he did before and did not claim that his, punish- his punishment was undeserved. Just nearly too much for him to bear. Judgment and vengeance are the Lord's, not man's. I-, I-, I hate it when people use the Bible and they twist it and they say, well, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But that's not what the Bible says that we need to take and and do, because that is not a personal verse. That that verse is not for individuals. That verse is a judicial verse, given to the authorities in Israel under the theocracy to deal uh, out judgment, punishment, justice. Okay, like a judge does in court today. Amen not for you to take a personal and say us oh, and somebody did something to me i'm going to get even that don't ever do that because the vengeance belongs to the lord not to us and here uh, the lord allowed cain to live partly out of mercy and partly as a testimony to the world of the consequences of sin sometimes the lord allows somebody to go on just as a testimony of what happens when you disobey him Cain's life was not easy, to say the least, from then on. So now in verse 16 says that then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son. Now, Cain is excluded from God. In other words, where God reveals himself, Cain cannot be. Okay? Where did he manifest himself? <coughs> Excuse me, in the Garden of Eden, right? And when man sinned, what did the Lord do? Expelled him. So now, whether, whatever the Lord is manifesting himself... Cain is far away from that. That's not to say that God is not everywhere. God is everywhere. But wherever he manifests himself, apparently he was manifesting himself to Adam and Eve visibly, or at least with light or something. So wherever he did that, Cain cannot be because of the, the judgment that fell on him. The land of Nod means the land of divagating and backsliding a wanderer a nomad due to the nature of the curse on him Cain simply was condemned to be to to live a nomadic life Cain took a wife now here comes the big question from the atheists where did Cain find the wife if God created only one man and one woman well, if they would take time to read the Bible, they would find out where he got his wife. Because the Bible says, or as we're going to see later, that Adam and Eve had many sons and daughters. So God allowed from those sisters for them to be able to take as a wife to reproduce the race. And then came a moment when God stopped that, didn't allow that to happen anymore, and we see that in the law of Moses. That uh, brother and sister could not marry anymore. And, uh, and even now, you know, c- certain uh, ethnic groups, they intermarry, and there is a lot of mental retardation. That happens with the Mennonites and the Germans in Paraguay. They don't mix with the Paraguayans. They stay within themselves, and the blood doesn't mix if the blood does not mix, that begins to produce problems. Okay? So when you, you have societies that, that are too close, isolated from the rest, uh, that's the, you begin to have certain physical problems. But at the beginning, it wasn't like that. The Lord allowed it at the beginning for the reproduction of the human race. And uh, he took a wife, apparently, from one of his sisters, and she gave birth to a son. And here we see the founding of the first earthly city. The city's name was Enoch. Okay? And following, we see the list of Cain's main descendants. Look at verse 18. And I know we're going to see some names here. And I know this is, this is, these are not some of the most exciting uh, verses of Scripture to read but we thank we must thank the lord we have them because they give us a lot of information as we're going to see so bear with me and follow with me and if you think this is hebrew it is not it's just the names verse 18 to enoch was born irad and irad begot mehujael and mehujael begot methusael methusael and Methushahel begot Lamech. Then Lamech took for himself two wives. The name of one was Ada, and the name of the, the second was Zillah. And Ada bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the harp and flute. And as for Zillah, she also bore Tubal-Cain. An instructor of every craftsman in bronze and iron. And the sister of Tubal Cain was Neymah. Then Lamech uh, to, uh, said to his wives Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, wives of Lamech. Listen to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. What do you make of that? Well, this is the register of Cain's descendants. This is the genealogy of Cain. God puts it first to dispose of it. And all members of the Cainitic line of antediluvian civilization. Lamech of the seventh generation of mankind, the seventh from Adam, from Cain's line, again okay, this line, reflects the developing spirit of this age. Notice, only the seventh generation from Adam, the seventh man from Adam, and already you see sin manifesting itself. His character? revealed uh, by the preserved fragment of a song he had composed, the first recorded poem in history. This is the first recorded poem in history in which he boasts of his ability in combat and his determination to avenge himself on anyone trying to oppose him. This is a blasphemous outburst against God. When God punished Cain, he also protected him against anyone trying to slay him, as we saw before, declaring that anyone who did so would incur a sevenfold punishment. In other words, if anybody did anything to Cain, he would be judged seven times more severely. Lamech defies God and says that if Cain's slayer would be punished seven times, anyone trying to touch him, he himself would punish him 77 in retribution. Big bag of air. Hot air. Eh? His boasting was blasphemous because what he's saying here is I am more just than God. Now the Lord did that for Cain to protect him. Lamech does that to protect himself. And who is he boasting to? To his two wives. I don't know if he was threatening them, trying to show him how what a tough macho man he was. So see, machismo did not start with Dominicans or Puerto Ricans or Greeks or any other ethnic group it started with him what nationality was him? human there were no nations yet ok so we see here there is a, there is an interesting reference to this in the New Testament did you know that? In the contrasting attitude a believer should have towards his brother. This is taught by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself in Matthew 18 22. When Peter asks him, How many times should I forgive my brother who sins against me? Up to seven times? Where do you think Peter got that from? I'm sure that as a Jew, he knew the book of Genesis. And the Lord says, I don't say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Maybe the Lord had this in mind in his answer. Eh? Now, you see how the Lord takes anything that man can do badly, and he does it well. He uses it for good, not for evil, like selfish lamech. Now, from the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3 to the flood in Genesis chapters 6, 7, and 8, there seems to have been no organized system of human government for controlling man's conduct. Though there were some from the patriarchal line like uh, of Adam and Noah, Uh, who heeded Adam's instructions, most people chose to go in the way of Cain, like Jude, the, the epistle of Jude tells us in verse 11. Okay, they went the way of Cain, rebellious. Rebellious against God. And it was not long before the wickedness of man was great in the earth, as we are told in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Now, when we read the first chapters of Genesis, we read one after the other, and we think everything happened immediately. No, it didn't. It took thousands of years, as we're going to see. Okay? Everyone did whatever they wanted to do. There was no restraint, pretty much like today. This proves that men cannot simply be left to their own devices. Because when you leave man to his own devices he will turn to evil just like that somebody kills once that's the hardest time the second time is easier that's why I totally disagree with what they are doing with the the judicial system in this country they put him in one door and out the other at least in certain states like ours they commit crimes and they put him in one door and take him out the other they let him go The other day, a a, a young woman in the subway, she got her leg slashed by somebody with a knife. It's coming to the point where people are afraid to leave their, their houses, their homes. Why? Because the authorities don't do what they're supposed to do. Oh, we have to show mercy. That's not mercy. That's satanic. You show, show mercy when there's repentance. If there is no repentance, there should be no mercy. There should be judgment. Okay? Because, you know, does God forgive somebody who doesn't repent? Does he? I ask you a question. Does God forgive anybody who doesn't repent? Are we bigger than God? That's why it's satanic mercy. Because we're not bigger than God. To say, oh, I know, we need to forgive them. That's foolish. Eh? One thing is to want justice is quite another to want revenge. Revenge belongs to the Lord. But justice, he has placed it in man's hands, as we're going to see when we study Genesis uh, chapter 9, I think it is. Now, this here proves uh, the fact that pe- people are left to their own devices and there is no restraint. Proves that men cannot simply be left to their own devices. There must be laws and competent governments to keep order. Otherwise, the whole society descends into chaos. For this reason, after the flood, God formally instituted systems of human government in Genesis chapter 9 and in verse 6. Now here we leave the Canaanite line. The Canaanite line. Now we see the spiritual seed renewed. Verses 25 and 26 of chapter 4. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. And as for Seth, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enosh. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. We see here the birth of Seth, the third son of Adam and Eve. The substitute for Abel. And we see his descendants. Enosh means mortal. We also see that men began once again to call on the name of the Lord. That is, to use his name in worship or adoration. Now, this is not the line of Cain. This is the line of Seth. Okay? This is the spiritual seed as opposed to Cain's carnal seed. This is the Sethitic line, as opposed to the Cainite or Cainitic line. Though the Cainitic line developed, or uh, the the, the serpent's uh, seed in the life of mankind, God was still keeping the integrity of the promised seed of the woman. Remember the promise he made to the woman? In Genesis chapter 3, I shall put enmity between... You and her, you and the woman, he told the devil, the serpent, and then between your seed and her seed. And that we call that the proto-evangel. That's the first time the gospel is preached. Yes, camouflaged, okay, but it was developed later on in Scripture. That was the promise of the Messiah, the promise, through the seed of the woman, not the man, the woman, okay? So now God didn't forget that. Now he renews that promise through Seth. He was supposed to be through Abel, but Abel was killed by Cain. Now the Lord takes up the the godly line again. Okay? He doesn't forget his promises. And so we see God establishes a new beginning for the woman's seed by giving her another son instead of Abel. He gives her Seth. And what does Seth mean? Means substitute. This indicates that Eve also believed that it was through him that God's promises would eventually be fulfilled. She thought that the promise was going to be fulfilled through Seth immediately. Now we're told that in the days of his son Enosh, men began to call on the name of the Lord. This might might imply the beginning of public worship of the Lord. which was absent from the Cainitic line and the beginning of the practice of prayer. Though the Sethites recognized the authority of God, they nevertheless were, like the Cainites, members of a fallen race. Though Seth's seed was the seed of the woman and the godly seed has a new beginning, nevertheless, those descendants were as much sinners as the Canaanites were. Because they all came down from Adam and Eve. Okay? They plunged the whole human race, their descendants, into uh, sin. Now, the beginning of chapter 5 reminds us that God created man in the, ima- <coughs> excuse me, in the image of God. But in, in chapter 5, verse 3, as we're going to read, we're going to see that, it says that Adam begot a son in his own likeness after his image named him Seth. Now between Adam and Seth there came the fall, the fall. Okay? And though Adam was created in God's image <coughs> when God <coughs> excuse me, when God created Adam, the fall had not had not occurred yet. <coughs> But when Adam had Seth, the fall the fall had already happened. So God created Adam perfect, but now Adam reproduced, and there came Seth, and Seth reproduced. By now they're fallen, and so they're sinners, right? So they're produced after their own kind, their own image. In other words, sinful, like they they were. Okay, and. Um, said was begotten in Adam's image, partaking therefore of of his father's sinful nature. Open with me one second, if you please, to the book of Romans, chapter 5. Romans, chapter 5, verse 12. This is a familiar verse. And it says, therefore, just as... Through one man sin entered the world. Do you think the apostle Paul believed in the book of Genesis? And death through sin, and thus death spread to all men. Because how many? How many sinned? All. Does that include you? It includes me. Yeah. Okay. But it says there in verse thirteen. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who have not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. In other words, a type of Christ, the second Adam. Okay? Now, this, uh, fa- the, this following chapter that's coming up, chapter 5, uh, gives us the list of names and the ages of the antediluvians. Again, antediluvian means those who lived before the flood. It may seem dull and monotonous at first, but it becomes meaningful and exciting as we look closer at it. He tells us that men once were able to live almost 1,000 years Now, I know the world finds that very hard to believe, but who cares what the world believes? God tells the truth. God doesn't lie. The Word of God is true from Genesis to Revelation. And God, there's one thing God cannot do. He cannot lie. And that's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. To be able to lie is a sign of weakness. So we see here that it gives us the idea, or an an idea, of the marvelous nature of the early world's environment. It also indicates that men were able to father children during most of their long lives. For example, Enoch, not the Enoch that we just saw, but the Enoch of the godly line that we're going to see in chapter 5, that Enoch had a son at the age of 65 say well but that's a big deal no it's not a big deal but it is with Noah Noah had the son or his sons at the age of 500 now let me ask you this Christian Bible temple are you Christian Bible temple or are you Christian unbelieving temple Amen, Ivan. Blessed art thou, for flesh and blood had not revealed this unto thee. But my Father who is in heaven. And your Father too. Amen? I'm not sounding like the Lord Jesus. I'm not I mean I sound like the Lord Jesus, but I don't pretend to be like him. Because God is our Father, isn't he? Is God your Father? Is He? Do you believe that Noah gave birth at the age of 500? Do you believe that? Don't say yes just to please me, because God knows your heart. You say, well, if I don't believe it, then I would suggest you get saved. If you don't believe it, I would suggest you get saved. Because it is impossible for a person to say, I believe one portion of the Bible but I don't believe another. The Bible, either you believe it all, or you don't, don't, don't believe any of it. And if, when you don't believe the Bible, you're calling God a liar. And it turns out that the liar is you. Because God is true. Amen? The recorded names are those of sons who turned out to be in the line of the promised seed. Man may have failed, but God goes on with his own plan in spite of it all. He overrules human failures. So we enter chapter 5, and obviously we're not going to cover the whole chapter today, but we see here the genealogy of Seth. Okay? Okay. The Summary of Adam's History. Look at the first five verses. This is the what book, which tells us that Genesis and the things of Genesis were passed on, written, registered on a book. Not a book like this one, but a scroll. They were not transmitted orally. They were written down. Who wrote them down? Moses was not born yet. Maybe Adam and then Noah. They wrote and they kept it and they passed it on. The Jews later on were notorious for passing everything very carefully from generation to generation. And if they copied the scribes, copied the scroll from another scroll, and they wrote and they were writing, and they made one little mistake. There were no erasers. They had to take the whole scroll and bury it, and have a funeral like a human being. And what did they do? They had to start from scratch all over. Imagine writing the Book of Isaiah, sixty-six chapters, and you come to the last chapter and you make a mistake. Do you wonder why the Lord chose the Jewish people? Because they were so meticulous, so meticulous. Sometimes you read a book and it has some printing error, a mistake on it. Instead of two, T O O, they have T O. If that happened while a scribe was writing in Hebrew the, 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 the biblical text and made one single mistake, the smallest letter of the Hebrew language, Yod, he would have to write the whole thing again, bury that, that scroll in the ground. Okay? So we can count on the Word of God, humanly speaking, but we can count on the Word of God, of course, divinely speaking. So we see, see here that it says, This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, He made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them. It says mankind in the New King James, but in the Hebrew says he called them Adam because Adam means man. Okay? In the day they were created. And that happens even today in the Spanish language when you say el hombre doesn't always mean just the man. It means human, the human race. Greek the same thing. Anthropos. Could be a man or could be a whole human race, including men and women. okay. Hebrew is the same way. So we see here that it gives us these details. Chapter 5 goes back to the beginning. Okay, And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness, after his image, and named him Seth. Now notice that Cain and Abel are not in this genealogy. Seth is the third son, and he's the one in the genealogy. Why? Because God puts in the genealogy the son, not necessarily the firstborn, but the son that would be the one carrying the seed of the Messiah to the time of Jesus. Okay? And that happens. That's why when you read sometimes genealogy, you say, oh, but he it skips you know, certain things because God overlooks that because it's not important. Okay? So here we see that he begot a son in his own likeness, after his image, and named him Seth. After he begot Seth, here he comes. The days of Adam were 800 years. And he had sons and daughters. Aha. Remember, I told you, where did Cain get his wife? From one of his sisters. Okay?
1: So all the
0: days of Adam. All the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and look, the last three words, and he died. Why did he die? Because he sinned and fell. God did not create man to die. The intention of God from the beginning was that man would live forever, and so that he could have fellowship with him whatever but man chose to to sin and therefore death came into the picture Okay. chapter 5 of Genesis marks one of the major divisions of the book it's important to note it says this is the book of the generations of Adam this is a written record as I said before it was not transmitted orally we have here a summary of Adam and Eve's creation. We see reiterated the fact that God created man in his image according to his likeness. And in verse 2, Adam refers to the race, okay? The, as, I, as I explained before, including both uh, Adam and Eve, as if saying uh, God called their name man. Now, In verse 3, It refers to Adam specifically, for it tells us how long Adam lived after he begot a a son, and stresses this son was begotten in Adam's likeness according to his image. The same thing the text states when it refers as to how God created Adam, that is according to his image and likeness, which blasts the theory of evolution. What does the theory of evolution tell you? Oh, that we came from monkeys. Well, let me tell you something. That's degrading. And I know my ancestors were not monkeys. I have pictures of them. They were all men and women. Intelligent, too. I just found out my great-grandfather was killed by the Turks during the Cretan uprising in 1905, fighting the Turks doesn't sound like a monkey to me. And then, yet, people nowadays, because they're teaching that in schools, they believe in evolution. And if you say you believe in creation, they look at you as if you were some strange bird from another planet. But they're the strange ones, because my Bible tells me God created man in His image, not in the image of monkeys. That's blasphemy. As if God needed the monkeys to create man. And if God, if, if man came from monkeys, how come we still have monkeys? They should have all been turned into men. As we say in Spanish, "Mamona sera tu madrina. What does the Bible say in Romans? Professing themselves to be wise, they became what? Fools. Fools. These verses refer to Genesis 1:26 through 28, where God says, let us create man in our image according to our likeness. Tying this section with the first record. The first was the record of the heavens and the earth, according to chapter 2, verse 4. The second was the record of Adam. Uh, the, the, the record of Adam was just completed, Genesis 5, 1. And much later, we're going to have the record of Noah in chapter 6, verse 9. It was necessary for all three records to be tied together to give us a continuation of the official history of the human race, especially of the line of promise. The record of Cain's descendants stops with the the deeds of Lamech, the seventh from Adam from that line, as we saw. Now, from verse 5, the record focuses only on the line of promise, the line of Seth. Why? Because that is the only important one. Okay? This brief summary makes this section a complete record of the antediluvian patriarchs. From the creation down to the birth of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the sons of Noah, providing the history from creation to the flood. And there is no other inspired record giving this kind of information, all other records are based on myths and fables and man's suppositions. This is the only inspired record of early man. Okay? But men choose to ignore it, and they rather believe Darwin. Don't you believe it? Darwin had too many problems. Genesis 5.5 5 gives Adam's obituary. Fulfilling the physical aspect of the judgment pronounced on him in chapter 3, verse 19. You will die. And what happens after 900 and some years? He died. He died. As a result of his sin. Truly, Romans 6.23 reminds us of that. The wages of sin is what? Death. Why do people die? Because of sin. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul says, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. Is it true that in Adam all die? Is it true? Well, if the first part of the verse is true, you can bet you that the second part of the verse is true as well. Because even though as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. But you have to be in Christ. To be made alive. If you remain in Adam, you shall die and that's it. That's why somebody said, if you die once, if, if you're born once, you die twice. But if you're born twice, you die only once. Have you been born twice? But Adam, in spite of that, lived to the age of 930. Seth, is the substitute for of Abel, the son whose seed would inherit the promise, and Eve thinks again that he is the promise, uh, the promise the seed promised to her. In any case, it is the spiritual seed, and Cain is the carnal seed. Besides Seth, Adam and Eve had many more children, which is logical for the procreation of the human race. Then we see how long Adam lived after he begot Seth. How long did he live after he begot Seth? 800 years. And lastly, we see how many years he lived in total. 930. And if you think he lived a lot of years, there's another another one in the Bible that we're going to see. later on who lived more than Adam He's called Methuselah why in Spanish we say why do you say that because he lived to 969 and you know what Methuselah means when he dies it shall come what the flood and Methuselah was the last one to die before the flood God says what he means and he means what he says thus say the Lord the Lord says it, perk up your ears. Listen. We thank you for listening to this message and pray that the Word of God spoke to your heart. To listen to previous sermons, please visit us at www.cbttbc.com or anchor.fm forward slash cbt sermons.